right, Hebrews chapter number 12 tonight, Hebrews chapter number 12, and uh, I wasn't sure who was uh, singing tonight, and so I was looking around on the front row um, who would be singing, and I got real discouraged as I was looking, not too bad, you know, once we got over this section, but I was looking at Brother Cruz and, and uh, Brother Sally and Brother Pettis, that would be an interesting duet right there. But then Amos got up and the panic left me. Hebrews chapter number 12, and uh, I'm going to read verse, I'll read verse number one, but verse number two is where we're going to uh, look at our text tonight, and a very simple practical Bible study, but one that that will help us if we'll let us, if we'll let it. Uh, We'll read in just a moment, Hebrews chapter 12, verse one and two. Uh, but tonight I'm going to teach on the servants' security and safeguard. The servants' security and safeguard. Uh, how many of you are saved tonight? Let me see here. Wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. I think everybody had their hand up from what I could tell. Uh, we should be, not as a child of God, we have a responsibility to serve God, uh, to serve Him. That should be our goal that should be our desire. It should be what we do is to serve the Lord. And so as a servant, uh, we need a security and we need safeguard. I'm going to give it to us tonight. Let's ask the Lord to help us. Father, again, we come to you. We uh, ask the Holy Spirit of God to be our teacher tonight. And may we, as we look at these practical things, uh, may we be reminded of how um, the most powerful truths are sometimes the most simplest truths. And Father, I pray that we'll incorporate these things into our life if they are not already there. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Hebrews 12, verse 1, Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. This isn't my Bible study, but it's good to be reminded there is a cloud of witnesses watching our race. It's important that we, we run our race well. Um, the idea, well, you know, just, my life only applies to me. You just, you just don't get it. Um, that's a very selfish way of looking at life. We have a race to run, and uh, we should do our best to run it well. But look, how, how are we going to do this? Run, run, run with patience the race that is set before us. Look at verse 2. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Notice the beginning of verse number 2. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Jesus is the source of our salvation. Just a moment ago I asked you how many of you are saved, and you all raised your hand. You're saved because of the Lord Jesus Christ. You're not saved because of a church. You're not saved because you put faith in what a man and his teaching and his doctrine. It is because of the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the author and he's the finisher, meaning you don't have to add anything else to it. It's done. Uh, it is through, our salvation is through the Lord Jesus Christ. As we serve him, as we run our race, I mentioned uh, just a little bit ago in the opening prayer about my grandmother and how she, was, she, she served the Lord so many years. And uh, she was a Sunday school teacher for so many years. She was a servant of God. She never had a pastor by her name, although I think she would have taken it if somebody offered it, but she never had any of those things, but she just served God. She served faithfully. Now, how does somebody stay faithful? 
Many of you, you have been faithful, and I commend you for that. You've been faithfully serving the Lord for not just years, but decades. You're to be commended for that. And I promise you, when I get into the Bible study tonight, you would say a, you're going to say a hearty amen, if not outwardly, inwardly, at what I'm going to say is the, tell you is the safeguard for us to serve, the safeguard for us to be faithful. I do not want to be a casualty. I hope you don't want to be a casualty. I don't want to have a shipwrecked life. So in order to not be a casualty, in order to stay faithful, I want to safeguard myself. Those who will not build any safeguards into their life, they're, they're foolish. Foolish. Well, well I'm the, no, you're not the exception. Uh, we want to build these safeguards. So Jesus is the source of our salvation. He's the source of our faith. We look to him for salvation. When you got saved, you realized you were a sinner, and what did you do? You looked to Jesus for the answer. You looked to Jesus for the solution. The thief on the cross, the one that Jesus spoke to and said, Today thou wilt be with me in paradise. He knew he was a sinner. That's why he was nailed to that cross. And he looked to Jesus and knew he had no sin. That's why he looked to him. Wow, he's the author and the finisher of our faith. When you and I got saved, we looked to Jesus for our salvation. Okay, uh, As that reminder, that in mind, uh, we can also look to him for our strength and direction in life. What is our responsibility as Christians? We want others to look to Christ. We want others to look to him for uh, their salvation. So as a Christian, I know there is a time, at the time in all of our lives if we're saved, that we look to Jesus for our salvation. In my Christian life, in our Christian life, we can also look to him for our direction, look to him for our strength. We need to not only look to him for direction and strength, we say these, these terms, we use these terms all the time, and I think most of us know what they mean. We want to follow Christ. What does that mean? We want to follow his leadership in our life. We want to follow his example. Uh, we want to look to him, not just for our salvation, but we want to look to him for our direction, our strength. We can take this a step further is what I want to talk about tonight. We need to also look to him for our security and our safeguard. As if we're saved, it's because we look to Jesus. True? All right, everybody with me? If we're saved, that is why we're saved. We look to Jesus. If we serve him, it's because we have decided to keep our eyes on Jesus. It will be revealed in your life and in my life. It will be revealed whether or not we look to Jesus. Whether or not our eyes are on him. You want to know what the greatest safeguard in your life as a Christian is? Keep your eyes on Jesus. Be looking to him. You know what will keep you from backsliding? Look to Jesus. Keep your eyes on him. You know what will keep you from uh, getting in situations that you shouldn't be in? Look to Jesus. You know what will keep you from getting bitter? Look to Jesus. You know, to keep you in the, in the, in the right, with the right people, doing the right things, look to Jesus. Uh, looking to him is what is our safeguard. If I want to finish my course, if I want to, as verse number one uh, mentions, I want to run the race 
with patience, run the race as I should. And that is what I want. If I want to, if, I, if it's my desire and it is to finish as the Apostle Paul did, he said, I finished my course. And he, and he was faithful all the way through the end. That should be all of our goals and all of our desires. That's one of the reasons why God gives us those examples. That's what I would like. How did Paul do it? He looked to Jesus. How did any saint of God finish? They looked to Jesus. That is our safeguard in our Christian life. It is our security looking Unto him. As soon as we get our eyes off of him, that's our safeguard is gone. Because then we start to make the decisions. We're not as smart as we like to think we are. We don't have the wisdom like we think we have. We've got to look to Jesus. Uh, we, we, and that, that is our security. That is our safeguard. Uh, anybody, uh, you don't have to answer this question out loud. Uh, anybody ever make a decision out of their emotion? How'd that turn out? Yeah, some of you are still married all these years later because of it too. <laughs> make a decision out of emotion, usually, if not always, you'll make the wrong one. And if you don't, it's by the grace of God. Because we're not supposed to make decisions off of our emotion. We're supposed to make them out of Bible principle. What is our safeguard? It's looking unto Jesus. Is Jesus, and I know it's very simple, very practical tonight. We'll get more specific in just a moment. But is Jesus ever going to take us the wrong direction? No. That is our safeguard. Uh, the young people here, the teenagers, the, the children that are in here, uh, look to Jesus for the direction in your life. Mom and dad, look to Jesus. Everybody, look to Jesus. Let's get a little more specific. I think it will bear itself out of how this is going to be a safeguard for our life. We need to be reminded. This is, I'll say this, then we'll get to the outline. We need to be reminded that Satan wants to destroy us. If you are going to serve God, he's coming after you. That's why we're admonished to be a good soldier of Jesus Christ. That's why we're reminded we're in a spiritual warfare. That's why we're told to put on the armor of God so we can defend ourselves against the, the tricks of the devil. We can, we can defend ourselves against, he's going, there's going to be temptations, but he's also, also going to, in that spiritual warfare, war against us. If you're going to do something for God, you are going to get opposition. That's just the reality of it. So how can I safeguard myself? How can I get security in living my life as a servant of God. I want to statement number one, I'll say this. Looking unto Jesus, we will not neglect our devotional life. We will not neglect our devotional life. If you do not have a devotional life, you're in danger. You're in danger. Well, I've got support. Everybody I live with, all my family is, is Christians, and we, we, we're on the same page. I've got a great church, and, oh, the pastor I have is just unbelievable. I mean, he's just, I mean, he's just, and oh, and I have all of these things. But there's going to come a time when you don't have those people around. It's going to come down to your devotional life for the Lord. But if you're looking unto Jesus, you want to talk to him. You know why the average Christian doesn't talk? 
the Lord like they should, they're not looking unto him. They're looking at all the busy things they've got to do. They're looking at their employer. They're looking at all, all, all these. we got to deal with all of these different things. We're going to look under Jesus. We're going to want to talk to him. We're going to want to hear from him. Our devotional life is very simple. It's the word and prayer. What kind of a relationship? See, we, we, need, we need to, we need to put, put aside all of the verbiage that we, that we like to use. And just get down to the reality of how is your relationship with your Bible? I know you know all the terms. And I know you know how to say it. But let's just get down to it. How's your relationship with your Bible? If we're looking unto Jesus, we're going to be in the Word of God. And a Christian who is not in their Bible is in danger. A Christian who is not uh, reading the Word of God for themselves, uh, it's a matter of time before you're faced with a circumstance and you're not going to have any spiritual depth at all. We're, we're blessed as the Emmanuel Baptist Church. The Word of God is preached here, has been preached here for decades. Sunday school, it's all on the word, it's based on the word of God. That's Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. But your spiritual depth is not what you get from behind this pulpit. Your spiritual depth is what you get from the word of God when it's just you and the Spirit of God. That's your spiritual depth. So, what's your, how's your safeguard? You can be in church Sunday morning, Sunday night, Sunday school, Wednesday night like you are tonight, but that still leaves Monday you're not here, Tuesday you're not here, Thursday you're not here, Friday you're not here, Saturday you're not here. So, so, so there, are, there are times, what are you counting on? You have to have your eyes looking at Jesus. It's, it's your devotional life. If you're looking unto him, you'll not neglect your devotional life. And oftentimes we as preachers say, get your eyes back on Jesus. Get your eyes back on Jesus. Well, I'm giving us a little bit of practicality to what it means to get our eyes on Jesus. Open the word and you'll see him. Look unto Jesus. We looked unto him for our salvation. Let's look unto him for our safeguards. The word of God will keep you where you need to be spiritually. You know, anybody, don't raise your hand. I know the answer already. You may never ever have a bad attitude. I said, don't raise your hand because some of you would have had to raise both of them. But I have never had a bad attitude after reading the Bible. Never. And you say, well, I have. Well, you need to read, read some more. Why? Because the Bible, that's what it, it's a safeguard. How many Christians have quit because they've gotten discouraged? You know what we ought to do the moment we feel discouraged? And sometimes I get, Pastor, I'm feeling this way. What should I do? I just text, read your Bible. Oh, what kind of answer is that? He just don't want to deal with me. I wish I had a pastor that cared about me. Yeah, me too. Where should I read it? Anywhere. Because it is a, it's, super, it's a supernatural book. 
It puts your eyes back on the one they should be on. In your prayer life, you cannot say that your eyes are on Jesus if you never talk to him. I could also, I said I've never had a bad attitude after reading my Bible. There have been times when I've, I've gone to prayer, weak in faith, afraid, discouraged. But I can honestly say, when I've got up off my knees, I've never been that way. Because your eyes get back on Jesus. So if we're looking unto Jesus, we will not neglect our devotional life. And all of us, all of us, all of us, all of us would say and give testimony. We all know it to be true. As a Christian, if we neglect our devotional life, we're in danger. We can't really say that our eyes are on him if we're not talking to him, if we're not hearing from him. That's number one. Number two. Looking unto Jesus will determine our proper treatment of others. Show me somebody who's not treating their brother or sister in Christ well, and I'll show you somebody whose eyes aren't on Jesus. Show me somebody who, a Christian who is, doesn't treat people well, and I'll show you somebody whose eyes are not on Jesus. Because if I'm looking unto Jesus, everybody, everybody, everybody okay tonight? If I'm looking unto Jesus, I look to Him for my salvation, I look for Him for my direction, I look for Him for my security and my safeguard. I don't want to backslide. I don't want to be a casualty. I don't want to ruin my life, so I want to safeguard it. And we need to safeguard it with separation. And, we say, and, I, and I'll use the word that some Baptists don't like to, to, to use, safeguard it with standards. But how, what's the ultimate safeguard? Looking unto Jesus. Looking unto Jesus will determine our proper treatment of other people. Wasn't it Jesus that said, love thy neighbor as thyself? Now, let's just be honest, and I'm not doing a whole Bible study on that one scripture tonight. But if we really did that, we treat our neighbors a whole lot better because we love us. And that's the point Christ was making. But if we're looking unto Jesus and we want to treat people how Jesus would treat them or how Jesus would want me to treat them or treat them in a way that reflects Christ in my own life. We're going to treat people in a way that's going to reflect that. We'll be kinder. You know, and I'll just, I'll just be blunt. I've, I'm not used to being that way. But, you know, we don't need any more groups, you know, jerks for Jesus. And I know we all have different personalities. Some people could talk to a brick wall and be happy. Some people don't like to talk to anybody. But we can be kind, can be gracious. I'm going to use a word here. How about forgiveness? Can we, I'm just going to ask a question, 
You, you determine for yourself the answer. Can we really be honest and say we're, our eyes are on Jesus if there's somebody we have not forgiven? And, 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 and I've taught on forgiveness before, and one of these days I'll get that forgiveness book out. But you know, there's some people, and I can testify to this, there's some people you don't forgive one time, and it's done. There's some people that you got to forgive every day. I'm not being sarcastic with that either. You have to forgive them. The offense is so great, you have to forgive them every day. But shouldn't our eyes be on Jesus every day? Uh, looking unto Jesus will determine our proper treatment of others. Number three. Acts chapter number seven. Flip over there. Acts chapter number seven. And in just a moment, I'll read verse, starting at verse 54. Statement number three is this. Looking under Jesus will determine our dedication to Christ. Listen to me before we read the scripture. Looking unto Jesus will determine our dedication to Christ. Simple, practical question for us. If we're not even looking at him, are we really dedicated to him? If our eyes are not on him today, what am I going to use my life, and in what way can I honor him? Because really, ladies and gentlemen, that is the success of our life is not the approval of this world. It's not even the approval of one another. It's not even comparing ourselves to one another. The Bible speaks against that. It is, did I honor Christ with my life? And if I'm not even looking at him, if my eyes are not focused on him, if my direction is not what would please Christ and be honoring to him, then how can we, are we really dedicated to him? In Acts chapter number 7, we have the account of Stephen. We all, I'm certain, know somewhat the story of Stephen, if not know it very well. When we went through the book of Acts last year, I preached several messages from uh, Acts chapter number 7. But we know that the religious did not like the stand of Stephen, and Stephen was full of faith and full of the Holy Ghost. The message he began to preach to them, and we know he, they're going to stone him. We know the significance of that. We know who else was in the audience that God used that to convert for their conversion. But look at verse 54. When they heard these things, they were cut to the heart, and they gnashed on him with their teeth. Verse 55. But he, being full of the Holy Ghost, okay, let's go back to verse 54. They're stoning him for what? Preaching the truth. Not everybody likes it when you preach the truth. He's preaching the truth, and they, they're not just going to stone him with stones. They're gonna, they start biting him, gnashing on him. They become so enraged at what he's saying, they begin gnashing him with their teeth. Can you picture this? Now, Stephen didn't stop. 
Stephen didn't recant. How can a man continue in, in the face of that? Well, he's got to be dedicated. Where does that dedication come from? Verse 55, and he being full of the Holy Ghost looked up steadfastly into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing on the right hand of God. I wasn't there. I've never had. People gnash me with their teeth. I've never been stoned. But something tells me that when Stephen, full of the Holy Ghost, looked up into heaven in those last moments of this life down here, seeing the Lord Jesus Christ, seeing the glory of God, I think that had his focus. I don't think he felt what they wanted him to feel because I'm looking at Jesus. My eyes are on Jesus. I'm seeing the glory of God. He's dedicated because he was looking at Jesus. Now, can't we not take this, can we not take this story? And now, can we not take the same principle and truth and apply it to our own life? When we're looking to him, how do we look at him? We can't look up into the sky tonight and see the glory of God and see Jesus standing on the right hand of the Father. But I can look at the word of God and I can read how Jesus is on the right hand of the Father. And I can read how he's interceding for me on the right hand of the Father. I can read about Christ and how he died for me and how he sprinkled his own blood on the mercy seat and it speaks on my behalf. I can see Jesus in the scripture. The more I see him, the more dedicated I'm going to be to him. And why some Christians, it's easy for them to walk away from what Christ has done. And when you walk away from serving him, are you hearing me tonight? When you walk away from serving him, you're walking away from what he's done for you. You're walking away from, from we, serving him is a great honor. We're not going to be dedicated to him if we're not looking at him. Well, I've, I, I, I've prayed about it, and this is, and in, 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 in essence, where I'm walking away from serving. Who are you praying to, number one? Because you're not praying to, this, to the same God who commands you to serve him. You know, God's like, oh, it's so-and-so. Okay, it's okay for you not to know. That's not how it works. When we walk away from it, it's because our eyes aren't on him. Well, I didn't realize the price was this heavy to pay. Man, I, I hope my mansion's not next to Stevens. You know, I know it's not this way in heaven, but if there was a complaint department, go see Steven. Uh, never mind. Never mind. If our eyes are on him, we're going to be dedicated to him. How dedicated are you to Christ? I hope we're never put in a situation to be martyred like this. But if our eyes aren't even enough to where we can't, we can't put up with somebody giving us a nickname at work, we're not that dedicated. Number four. Turn me to the book of Job, Job 42. Job 42. I like this point too. Verse 
All right, as you turn, I'm going to give you number four because we're quickly running out of time. And I have 22 of these. Number four. Y'all aren't paying attention to me tonight. I don't have 22, by the way. Number four, looking unto Jesus, we will not be inflated with pride. If we are looking unto Jesus, we will not be inflated with pride. As Christians, we get full of ourselves, don't we? People in general, sometimes we forget what we were before Christ saved us. Sometimes we forget who it is that does the work through us. Sometimes we forget that God's not lucky to have us. We're fortunate that he'll even put up with us. We get full of ourselves. How full of ourselves do we have to be to know what this book says and not do it? We don't don't like to be reminded of this, but what we do in that, we say, God, I'm on an equal plane with you. And I know what you've said, this is what I think about it. How much pride do we have to have? That's why the Bible speaks so strongly about pride. Uh, How how full of ourselves do we have to be for us to ignore the things that God would have us to say, "Ah, it's my life, I'll do what I want to do. Pride. How full of pride do we have to be to assert the authorities that God places in our life. We could get full of pride. But if we're looking unto Jesus, we will not be inflated with pride. Think of Saul, such a good example of this. King Saul. He was chosen to be the first king. Because, and and read, read, read what the Bible says about him and why he was chosen. Of everybody, he was the one that was chosen. Remember what later Samuel said unto him, the men of God said unto him, when thou was little in thine own sight. And oh, before we judge Saul too harshly, I think there's going to be a lot of Christians. When thou was little in thine own sight. Why is it that we get too full of ourselves? There's preachers that get too full of themselves. Their eyes aren't on Jesus. Man, I preached a good one today. Did you see what happened? There's no man's ever preached that they did the work. It's God that does the work. But if we take our eyes off of Jesus, we can get an inflated opinion of ourselves. Let me read the scripture. Job 42. We know the story of Job, the wealthiest man on the face of the earth, the most blessed man, and according to God, the best man on the face of the earth. You can have a lot of opinions and you can take a Facebook poll, but when God says you're the best man, that's quite a statement. We know the trial that God allowed him to go through. And he loses everything. 
all of his wealth. His ten children are taken from him. His own wife says, I've had enough of it. Let's just get it over with. We look at Job in Job 42, verse 5 and 6. I have heard of thee by the hearing of the ear, but now mine eye seeth thee. We come to the end of the book of Job, and beginning of verse number 12, we see that the Lord blessed the latter end of Job more than his beginning. All those things I just said about Job, which were true, the wealthiest, the best, uh, he, had his, he had his family, he had his ten children, it, the, the perfect situation was taken away from him. At the end of his life, God says, I'm going to give it all back, and I'm going to give you more. So all those things that we said were true before his trial are true again, but in a greater way. So we know God does that, but in verse number 5, he's coming to the end. The point I'm making, he's coming to the end of the trial. He says, I have heard of thee by the hearing of the ear, but now mine eye seeth thee. He's going to see the Lord like he's never seen him. Why? Because when you're in the trial, when you're in the ash heap, when you go through all of that, those you see him in a way. And what does he say? He says in verse number 6, Wherefore I abhor myself and repent in dust and ashes. Job, who we know the caliber of man he was, he says, I've seen him in a greater way, and now that I've seen him, I've heard about him. And I've believed him, and, I, and I've worshipped him. But now that I've seen him, I abhor myself because I see who he is. And when I see who he is, it shows me who I really am and repent in dust and ashes. Job, the wealthiest, Job who had everything, Job who God said was uh, perfect and upright in all of his ways. That man, after going through a trial, and there's a lot of people who have come out full of pride after a trial. He says, now that I, my eyes are on Jesus, now I've seen him. I there's no way for you to keep your eyes on Jesus and be full of you. So we need to look unto him and we'll not be inflated with pride. I've got to hasten, number five. Looking unto Jesus, we will give the proper dedication to the Lord's work. Looking unto Jesus will give the proper dedication to the Lord's work. How dedicated are we to God's work? Do you have an area of service? How dedicated are you to it? How, how, how often do you think about it? You're, as a Sunday school teacher, how dedicated are you to that? Um, when do you think about it? Sunday morning? Or do you give it the, the, the dedication that it should have with prayer and preparation and visitation? I can use a lot of examples with that, but we'll give the proper dedication to the Lord's work. Why? Because if our eyes are on Him, we we're constantly reminded whose work it is. It's His work. He deserves our best, He deserves the dedication. What we do down at the church house for God, it ought to get our best effort. It, and, I, and I'm thankful for, for everyone who, who wants to do something for God and help at the church, but, but it ought to be your best effort. 
If you want to do something for God, yeah, I, I want to. I want to help out. I want to help out in the, in the nurseries. I want to. I want to provide something for the nurseries. And I have something that I've tried to sell in every possible way, and nobody will buy it. I've tried to give it away, and nobody wants it. So I'll just take it and leave it at the church. Uh, nobody's done that in at least a week and a half. But no, no, no. So I'll use that as an illustration. I appreciate the heart, but shouldn't the work of God get the best? Well, I just only have so much strength and energy, and, and whatever I have left, that's what I'll give. I don't think that's what God wants from us. Would I be dedicated? Number six, because I do want to spend a few minutes on number six. Ecclesiastes chapter number nine is where I'm going to read. I quote it often, but I want you to see it. Underline it, memorize it. But don't miss statement number six. Looking on the Jesus. Remember, these are safeguards. Okay, I'll go back to the, number, the, the previous one while we're all turning there. A preacher can get sloppy in his preaching. I know you don't know that, but a preacher can get sloppy in his preaching. A Sunday school teacher can get sloppy as a Sunday school teacher. A choir member can get lazy in their preparation. Somebody who sings in the special music can get lazy in their preparation. That, that hurts our walk with that. that, that, that that's, we're supposed to be doing this to his honor and his glory. I'm only pointing that out. I want to safeguard myself because I don't want that to happen in my ministry. So if I keep my eyes on him, I'm going to be reminded whose work is this. So I'm just saying that to say this is for safeguarding us. I don't want to get away from him. I, I, I don't want the work of God to, to, to be hindered. I, I, don't want, I, I want to do everything I can do for him. I want to safeguard myself, and the safeguard is to keep my eyes on Jesus. And number six, looking unto Jesus, we will fulfill our duty. Ecclesiastes 9.10, whatsoever thy hand findeth to do, do it with thy might. For there is no work, no device, no knowledge, no wisdom in the grave where thou goest. Whatsoever thy hand findeth to do, do it with thy might. We shall fulfill our duty. Your duty for God is yours. It's not mine. Your task for God is yours. What God puts in front of you to do for him, that's what you do. That's what you do. There are too many Christians inside God's church who don't want to do what God has for them to do, they want to do what somebody else is doing. We have a responsibility to do what it is that God's given us to do. And I'll say this, you may be more gifted in certain areas than somebody who is serving in that capacity. But God didn't put you in that capacity. So what are we to do? We're to do what it is that God has for us to do. And right now, he wants you to pay attention until I'm done. Looking unto Jesus, we shall fulfill our duty, our responsibility. Sometimes, and this is something that, that I mention often, we all go through what I call seasons of life. 
Sometimes you have an opportunity to do more for God than at other times because life's responsibilities dictate that. Or things that come into your life that you didn't anticipate to come into your life dictate that. We have to be mindful of the seasons of life. If when you're, when, when, when you're just, when it's just a young couple and it's just the two of you, you've got more time than somebody who has three kids in four years. The one who has three kids in four years or four year, kids in five years or, hey, for fun, let's go seven kids in eight years. Their hands are full. They wish they had your time. Oh, remember when? It was just the two of us. All I'm saying is, you have seasons of life, so whatever season you're in, serve God with that capacity that you have. That's why you don't compare to somebody who's in a difference. Hey, that's, that's good too. But serve God in the way that he has for you to serve. I believe this with my whole heart. There's a lot of Christians, and I say that generally speaking, not just in our church, I think generally speaking Christians, there, there's more that they could do for God, but they're not content doing what it is God has for them to do. Looking unto Jesus will fulfill our duty. Let me give this as an, let me mention this and I'll be done. If you're not looking at Jesus and fulfilling your duty, you're going to get critical of the way somebody else is doing theirs. When your eyes are on Jesus, man, the pastor is doing, man, he's, the singing is, have you noticed the ushers lately? Only when they do something they're not supposed to do. That's the only time we recognize the ushers. No, this is a very important principle for you and I to take a hold of. When we, we're not looking at Je, looking unto Jesus and fulfilling their own duty, we become critical of how everybody else is doing theirs. We become critical of the way it's done. Uh, keep your eyes on Jesus, and it will safeguard you into do, doing what you're supposed to do. I taught on this a while back, but that God does give different gifts in the church because God puts, every, puts in the church what is needed for the church to do what it is that God has for them to do. So I say that, say keep, if you keep your eyes on him, you'll do what it is that God has for you to do. And it's to the benefit of everybody. When we get our eyes off of him, then we're not fulfilling our duty, that thing that God has in front of us to do. And we're all going to stand before God and give an account, not what brother so-and-so did or didn't do, or sister so-and-so did or didn't do, what it is that God had for us to do. And if your eyes... I, I want to I I help us tonight. If you sing in the choir and it's become a drudgery to you, I want you to do something for me. I want you to evaluate where your eyes are. Now, sometimes, as I already mentioned, the seasons of life 
might mean you need to step out of something for a little bit until you get to a certain, just you may have more time, more energy. But if things have not changed, evaluate where your eyes are. If you're serving in some capacity, so well, I just don't think I have the joy. Where are your eyes? Are they on Jesus? If they were truly on Jesus, we would be thrilled. I get to do anything for him. Let me close with this to our teenagers, our young adults. When you start making your decisions about what you want to do in life, where your eyes are will reflect the decisions you make. Simple. Where your eyes are will reflect the decisions you make. We have a duty and a responsibility. There's, I, I, I have to fulfill the responsibility that God has given me. Because God has given me that responsibility. But, but it's important for you to fulfill the responsibility that God has given you. And if God has you singing in the choir of the Emmanuel Baptist Church, that is important. The ushers, that's important. Sunday school teachers, that's important. Nursery workers, that's important. You just showing up in your place because it's where I'm supposed to be, that is crucial. Because it's a duty, it's a task that God has given you. And we keep our eyes on Him, we're going to fulfill that. So what's the safeguard for us to serve God? What's what's the safeguard for us not to fall by the wayside? What's what's our security? What's our safeguard? What is it we're not going to get too far to the right, too far to the left, but right where God has us, no matter what happens in life, we keep our eyes on Him. When things are going well, keep your eyes on Him. When things aren't going well, keep your eyes on Him. When things are going as expected, keep your eyes on Him. When they're not going as expected, keep your eyes on Him. When you're trying to figure out the next steps in your own life, keep your eyes on Him. But as a Christian, well, if we keep our eyes on Him, our devotional life is going to be what it's supposed to be, and so on and so forth. So let's keep the safeguard of looking unto Jesus. I mentioned at the beginning, there's many of you in here, you've been, you've been, you've been faithful for decades. You haven't been perfect. There's times when you probably got a little discouraged, but you're still serving God. If you're going to simplify and and sum it up, you'd have to testify tonight, well, a lot of truth in what the pastor's saying. You just got to keep your eyes on Jesus. I I say this kind of tongue-in-cheek, but it's true. If if you're a member of the church and nobody here has offended you, just give it a little time. Somebody will. I, I, can, I can point some out to you if, if you really want to be offended. The point I'm making is this. We don't need to be looking at each other. We need to be looking at him. If I'm looking at him, we'll treat one another how we should be treated. Or if we are mistreated, our eyes are on him, well, my actions are going to reflect on him. So therefore, I want to act how he would act. Let's let this help us tonight. Father, I pray that you'll...